Hi, my name is Beth and I'm a psychological wellbeing practitioner from Newcastle. I just wanted to say the biggest thank you to the contributors of the Clinical Psychologist Collective book. I've enjoyed reading this so much and loved having an insight into the range of backgrounds and experiences people have prior to applying for the doctorate and it's been really interesting seeing the potential barriers to the application as well and how I can try and work around this. I really started to doubt myself and whether I was good enough to apply for the clinical psychology doctorate but this has really given me the confidence boost that I needed to give it a shot so the biggest thank you ever. If you're looking to become a psychologist Then let this be your guide With this podcast at your side You'll be on your way to being qualified It's the Aspiring Psychologist Podcast With Dr. Marianne Trent Hi, welcome along to the Aspiring Psychologist podcast. Thank you for listening. So if you are listening to this podcast, then it's probably quite likely that you are aware that certainly for clinical psychologists, application season at the time that I'm recording, which is January 2022, is in, um, you know, in part of its cycle, part of its lifespan. Um, So people are currently awaiting to find out if they are going to be offered interviews for um, the clinical doctorate. And I would love some insider info about the life cycles, the application cycles of your particular discipline. So if you're listening to this and you're thinking, well, ours isn't, you know, September until spring, um, then let me know because it's obviously important that I'm providing content that feels useful for you, whatever discipline of psychology you are in. So if you have a different time span, let me know. Um, and I can make sure that I'm putting stuff in my diary, you know, planning content that's going to be useful for you at the time that you need it. Because I don't want this to be just for aspiring clinical psychologists. I want this to be useful for you, whatever your um, particular niche goal is in psychology. And if you are awaiting um, the news about whether you are being invited for selection tests or um, for um, for interviews themselves, then, you know, oh, my heart goes out to you. It is tricky. Um, and by the time this goes live, which is probably going to be February or March, um, you know, that that time will be all the more closer and you might well be getting um, probably not letters these days will it be it will probably be interviews um, being communicated to you via email so um, yeah I I remember that anxiety well the waiting um, the hoping the wishing um, yeah you know <laughs> And reflecting on every word you've written in your form and thinking, you know, is it good enough? Is it going to be okay? And even, you know, the experiences that you have in the days, weeks and months even after you have clicked submit on that form, you're thinking, oh, this would have been great on the form. This would have been great. Um, And let's hope that you don't need to reflect on that in future forms. But of course, um, it can take a number of attempts um, and beyond um, to to get 
to, um, you know, and I was just talking to um, someone from the Express, actually a journalist, to get to manifest what it is that we want, you know, and that's what we are trying to help you do in this podcast. We're trying to help you to manifest your dreams, you know, Um, and my stance, um, you can probably Google it by the time, (laughs) by the time you're listening to this, but my stance on that is that, you know, by goal setting um, and being quite focused and determined around what it is that you would like to achieve, it makes it a whole heap more likely that you're going to bring that goal to fruition. Um, You know, whether or not you want to add any crystals into the mix is entirely up to you and people who like manifesting often do like a bit of crystal healing and all of that jazz but um you know by goal setting and tuning into the right podcasts ones with jingles <laughs> you're gonna make it more likely for yourself that you are able to um you to achieve your dreams and achieve your goals so that's my little take on what we are that's my little mission for this podcast that this helps you know flavor the water that you swim in with um you know qualified psychology opinion um and i hope that you're finding it useful yeah so um i digress as i am uh, want to do and i hope that you don't mind the fact that i digress because hopefully the stories are interesting along the way um if you don't like my digressing and you wish it was just pure psychology then you might like to listen on double speed or, you know, maybe I'm not. Maybe I'm not your jam. I'm quoting Princess Poppy again. So when I was an aspiring clinical psychologist, I was having to wait for letters to drop through my letterbox um, to invite me for interview or to decline me from an interview. Um, And I remember um, the first time I was offered an interview um, for for a doctorate course, um, I sat on the stairs at my parents' house and I ripped it open. And the first thing I saw was a map and I was like oh my god they don't send maps to people that they don't want to see (sighs) and so I just felt really excited from seeing that map and you know I think that's a bit of a sad thing about moving to online communication because you know you'll know as soon as you open it you know there's no there's no how thick the envelope is to you know about how much information you're getting because you don't know how big the email is before you open it so um yeah that's a that's a downer for modern technology um because when you got a slightly fatter envelope that felt pretty exciting um so yeah um fond memories of that and i still have my letters offering me um i think interviews on the course that i accepted and i still definitely have my letters offering me places on both of the courses that i was offered because that is you know really a significant milestone in my in my life you know you knowing me now like you do you're probably like did you buy a perfume did you buy some shoes <laughs> um, no I decided to go off traveling um where did I go I went um 
around India with uh, one of my friends who was also getting onto a doctorate course. And also before that, I went to Spain and Morocco. Um, so that's what I did. And I'm afraid the pandemic has squashed people's ability to be able to jet set as much as they did. But um, once I knew um, that I was on the doctorate, I um, was making plans to jack my job in <laughs> and to go and enjoy you know, this stage of my life where I knew what the next stage was going to be and when it was going to start. Um, I do believe it started on um, September the 22nd. Um, so I just had to make sure I was back in the country for then. And, um, you know, I did, I think I got back from India on the Friday. Um, I had my leaving party on the Saturday. I moved on the Sunday and my doctorate started on the Monday. So I was, you know, <laughs> not leaving any time for living my life um, unlived. Um, but then that said, I loved my doctorate as well. So it wasn't like it was a question of, um, you know, putting my life on hold. Um, you know, I was committing myself to one locality um, for three years. Um, but, you know, if you're listening to this, perhaps as a qualified psychologist or perhaps as an aspiring one or a trainee psychologist, and you're like, she loved her doctorate? What? Um, then I say, yeah, I did. You know, I knew it would be tricky in parts and in parts it was. I knew I'd be signing up to work and study. I knew I'd be, you know, having lots of different demands. But for me, I didn't have children at that time. And I was single when I started the course. Um, it was what I expected it to be. Um, and I had made space in my life to accommodate those three years. Um, I didn't go into it thinking it was going to be effortless. Um, and it wasn't. Um, so I think sometimes going into things with our eyes open can be really useful. Once again, I've wobbled off. I've digressed. So if you are waiting for your own um, application season to start, you might well be um, clicking and checking whether your references have been received. And if they still say no, then it might just be worth checking in with your referee. Um, it's always a good idea to check in with your referee before you submit to check that A, they're not going off on some six months secondment or you know maternity or paternity leave, um, that their contact details haven't um, changed and that they are indeed happy to write you a reference. Um, so then if the reference hasn't been submitted or hasn't been received, you can just gently check in with them to explore, you know, whether they have been able to do that for you or whether, um, you know, whether they need some more time or some more, I don't know, some more something from you or maybe they just need a little a little jig maybe um the reference requesters are just sitting in you know in spam folder or something and they've not seen it um so with you gently getting in contact to um to probe you know it might make that um come to fruition that bit quicker um i in the days of the stone ages um used to wait for um my own little stamped addressed envelope to arrive that said references received so the course would send those out or clearinghouse would send those out um, at my own cost of a stamp, stamp ad stamped addressed envelopes, we called them in the day, um, yeah, to let me know that A, my application had been received, that's a happy one to receive, although I knew because I'd already stalked it on Royal Mail, um, and B, that references had been received, and then it was like, okay, we are good to go, let's just wait and see and hope and wish. Okay, so a useful um, piece of advice here is when you 
and if you hopefully are called to interview it can be a really good idea to look at your own application to look what you submitted um, and any bits that make you cringe a bit you know maybe you're thinking I might slightly have padded out my own expertise and knowledge in that area it's a good chance for you to be able to try and thicken that dialogue a little bit um, between now and your interview date um, for any of you watching The Apprentice I do believe I've watched every single series and every single episode. Um, I, yeah, I just love it. Um, you know, we all know that the most cringeworthy um, episodes are the interview ones where their CVs are turned over and they've got in contact with people and, you know, they've been ousted as ha- actually having not done some of the things they've claimed to have done or they've bigged up their part and it's just horrifying. So um, just try to make sure that what you've put on your form <laughs> in retrospect in hindsight is factually correct as possible and i don't know of anyone who goes to the extent that lord sugar and his team do um but yeah just have a look over what you've submitted because of course that's what you've been invited on the basis of okay so once you've had a look at what you've said if you do feel like there's any weaknesses any um, drawbacks um, that you feel might be your Achilles heel then like I said it's your chance to um, you know to get as much experience um, so that it doesn't feel like you're going into that interview with an Achilles heel Um, we all will have Achilles heels (laughs) we might not know what they are until they answer ask us the question and then we'll uh, man i have no clue um just take a breath um just take a pause you can always ask for a moment as you feel like your world is imploding and there's tumbleweed and crickets um you can always ask for a little more time um you know and you can always ask them to repeat the question again because what we know is when we are in a you know a excited forward slash agitated anxious state that the top part of our brain might go off offline a little bit so taking those breaths can be really useful um, and just yeah encouraging yourself to calm down um, and it's okay to ask for the question again okay so you might find it helpful to go through in supervision your form um, if that is the kind of relationship you have with your supervisor um, and to you know to think about any questions that 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 crop up for them yeah they might already have read your form anyway Um, but if they haven't then it might be useful um, if you can bear it if you can tolerate it um, to explore some of that in supervision and your next port of call will be um, for whatever job you're applying for um, be it um, you know an assistant psychologist post or a research psychologist post or um, indeed one of the clinical doctorate courses or your own um, you know um, qualified specialty route um, then you need to be looking at the job description you know so it might be an idea to look at what the course themselves are saying about their program um, if you are an aspiring cli- uh, clinical psychologist it might be useful for you to get yourself um, a copy of the alternative handbook to look at what the other trainees on the course are saying about the course um, and if you are um, applying for an NHS job then there'll always be a person description um, and of course a job description so make sure that you know what they're asking for because they could ask you know about any of those things and I'm obviously in this podcast I'm not going to be giving 
any past examples of questions because that's not really appropriate I don't feel um, and so yeah if you were tuning in hoping that that's what I was going to do then sorry spoiler alert um, that's not going to be here I'm sure if you googled some um, some would come up but um, yeah it doesn't feel um, particularly fair for me to do that and of course with my knowledge of the two clinical um, doctorate interviews that I've been it, it yeah it wouldn't feel it wouldn't feel particularly fair to to broadcast that in case they're still using the same sort of questions it just wouldn't it just wouldn't feel it wouldn't feel like it was particularly fair it would be like giving you the exam questions before the exam so I'm sorry I'm not going to do that but I want you to do your best and to be your optimal best self um, and to have to scrabble in in a session like I probably did you know with those tumbleweed moments but managing your own physiology enough to be able to get through it um, and to pull the rabbit out of the hat and get yourself that job. So those are our basic checks to make. It can be also helpful to Google the names of anyone that you know who's going to be interviewing you so that you can read any research that they might have done recently or to see what service they work in and kind of the way that um, the way that their service operates. If you are applying for a specific trust, then it can be useful um, to Google whether there's any trust values that are around for um, your trust. So they might be things like you know compassion in action respect for everybody um you know safety i don't know um it, it differs between trusts but if you know a specific trust not so much for clinical interviews because it's not the trust that they're interviewing you it's usually um academic staff and um clinical staff um from the locality uh, so, you know, it might be that actually on some um, doctorate courses that there is a representative from the trust who's going to be employing you. But to my knowledge, I'm I'm not familiar with that. So if actually that is the case, let me know and I can make sure that um, we'll reflect that in future. So, yeah, perhaps if you're going on to a PWP or an assistant psychologist or um, some other kind of related job, you know, support worker, um, and you're going to be looking at trust values, then it can be really useful to make sure that in every answer you give that you're weaving in um you know a trust value as well so if they're asking something about confidentiality then you could give you know your 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 usual patter about what confidentiality is and why it's important you could give um, a little case vignette about where you've used confidentiality or how you've explained it and then you could um you know weave in a relevant trust value of i don't know respect for everyone and you know clinical excellence or you know whatever the trust values are but you need to be making sure you're giving a values-based uh, interview um, so yeah I hope that is useful always look out um, for who is employing you and what is important to them and try and quote it back to them in interview because that's going to help you stand out and the same is true of course for um, for the clinical courses if they are specializing in you know CBT then it makes sense to be mentioning CBT if they are really dynamic or systemic or you know any other kind of discipline then it makes sense that you talk the talk and walk the walk okay i'm just going to take a short break um and i will be back to, to think with you more about um interviews um hold fire and i'll look forward to speaking to you very soon if you're looking to become a psychologist then let this 
My name is Diakalola Amujam. I am a recent psychology graduate from Ireland. I am also an aspiring clinical psychologist. Dr. Marion's book, The Clinical Psychologist Collective, has been so helpful to me on this journey to becoming a clinical psychologist. As I plan to continue postgraduate studies in the UK, I found it extremely useful that this book provided in-depth information on the UK DeClinSci application process. I enjoyed reading about the experiences of both qualified and training clinical psychologists. The various narratives were my favorite part of the book as everyone's story was different and it provided amazing insights into the clinical psychology journey. I would definitely recommend this book to anyone interested in psychology and aspires to become a clinical psychologist. Okay, welcome back. So, um, like I said, at the time of recording, it's January 2022, and we are most definitely still in pandemic season, aren't we? Um, And so certainly for 2020 and 2021, um, application and interview seasons looked a little different. Um, They looked a bit like home working, didn't they? Um, You know, quite often they took place via Zoom. Um, Maybe they might have been shorter than would have been um, ideally. And it might mean that you don't see anyone who is also um, an aspiring psychologist um, during the interview process. It might just be you and the academic staff and you and the clinical staff. Um, whereas actually, you know, a key part of the experience for me was was sitting, you know, with however many people there were on the day in the waiting room and lunching together. So for me, oh, you know, when you do online training at home on Zoom, not the same is it because you don't get the snacks you don't get the lunch and so if I was applying for a job I would make sure that I bought myself um, you know (laughs) an aspiring psychologist lunch that's totally what I would do um, to make sure that I felt like you know yeah I'm treating myself nicely here but also 
gearing myself up to um, perform optimally. So in making sure that it's not something that's going to make me really sluggish all afternoon, um, you know, and, you know, it's going to be ready for me to be able to grab it and eat it when I'm ready to eat it. So, oh, I can't stand fridge cold sandwiches. So um, I'd probably have to text my husband and say, take my sandwich out of the fridge or whatever I was eating or a salad so that it wasn't too cold. But can you take care of yourself? on interview day um, or maybe have someone else take care of you and your catering needs to look after you because it's a really stressful process because it really matters you know if you are striving to be a psychologist um, then you're not doing this for kicks you know you're doing this because it matters to you Um, and so yeah can you help get someone else on board to look after you and to you know to make sure that you're fed and watered in a way that really helps you to thrive and if there isn't someone then you can do that for yourself you know Uh, and maybe by the time we are uh, you know in applications whenever it is that you're listening to this episode that face-to-face interviews are back on the agenda Uh, in which case I hope that they are still doing drinks refreshments and lunch because that is just the highlight for me (laughs) that's like a bonus you get a free lunch and an interview (laughs) yeah so yeah bring on the snacks I'm all about the snacks and the drinks and actually the way one of the ways I, I chose between um, which clinical course to accept was because one of them had given me um, a choice of herbal teas uh, at interview day, and I just thought these are my people. <laughs> these are my people. Uh, whereas I think in the other one there was just black tea or coffee, and I was like I don't drink either of those. <laughs> so clearly wasn't the only reason, but it was certainly you know on my list of pros of the course that I eventually picked you know selection of herbal teas check so if I was having interviews at home I'd be making sure that the environment I was in was also kind of aspirational and kind of nice so I might be lighting my favorite scented candle I might be making sure that I was you know dressed properly for an interview not just from the waist up Um, so I'd probably make sure that I had an outfit where I felt like a trainee psychologist you know so I'm trying that outfit on for size um, or I felt successful or worthwhile Um, so of course I probably would be a little bit smarter for an interview than I would be for um, for you know a day on placement for example but I want something that helped me psychologically get on board with the fact that this was a really important interview day this wasn't just me sitting in my slippers um, and in my joggers okay so for me that's how I would make sure that I was in interview mode all day Um, because it's a big deal you know and (laughs) I took uh, I'd probably wear my um, I'd probably wear my my shoes in the house um, on that occasion I took my um my kids to the cinema recently and in the back of the car my eldest said to me mummy I'm looking forward to going into the cinema because it makes me feel like a millionaire and I said oh what do you mean and he said well because I wear my shoes on the carpet (laughs) and I was like oh what you mean because I make you take your shoes off at home and he said yes um when we watch um old episodes of Topsy and Tim and stuff they wear their shoes all over the sofa and like on their beds and my kids are like appalled with that <laughs> like mummy 
why have they got their shoes on on the sofa? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. Um, so, yeah, I would be breaking my own rules um, on interview day or getting myself some new shoes. Um, so New Year's Eve, I dressed up as um, Dorothy from The Wizard of Oz and I did wear shoes in the house, um, but they were red ones and they'd never been worn outside. So that helped me feel that that was OK. And I probably didn't go on the carpet with them. I probably just stayed on the hard floor. So, yeah, do you have your own weird little rules about um, about shoe wearing in the house? Whatever, whatever is OK for you is OK okay for you but if you ever come around my house please take your shoes off so yeah wear your shoes on your carpet on the day of your interview because it will make you feel like a millionaire and that's direct from my eight-year-old um, who doesn't want to feel like a millionaire on the day of their interview so we need to be turning our phone off not just on silent so um i was just distracted for a moment there because my watch buzzed you know it told me to move my bum um so maybe turn that function off um and make sure that your phone's off and if you've got a dog maybe it's a good idea to see if anyone can look after the dog for the day so that you're not having to worry about walking um, the dog you can still walk yourself you can still do that on breaks um but you don't want to have to be worrying about the dog barking or distracting you um if you you are at the front of the house um, then it might be a good idea to draw the curtains so that you're not distracted by the postman um, and it might be helpful to you know we've all got um, deliveries arriving all the time these days so it might be helpful to see if you can get someone else on call or put a note on your door sending any deliveries to your um, to your neighbor if you've got one need to make sure that you are adequately hydrated um, it can be useful to have, you know, a glass of water with you in the interview. Um, but of course, we do have a tendency as humans to use drinks as safety seeking behaviours. And this was something that we observed in our um professional personal development group um, at uh, my own training um, is that people would tend to use having a slurp of their drink to pause for time and deflect questions so um, you know I would probably nowadays just try and own that a bit more and pause and take a breath and maybe even be explicit about whatever is going on for me as my internal processes um, whereas in the past certainly um, as trainees we would pause and dominate the conversation with you know fiddling around with our bottle of water and all of that and we made a decision that we wouldn't do that we wouldn't bring drinks to sessions um, or if we did they'd stay under our chair so that we could try to stay as connected to the process as possible so um, just be mindful if you are wanting to hydrate yourself all the time mid-interview um, you know it's okay to be nervous you know it matters it's a big deal um, but yeah just think about how you're using your hydration um, to to perhaps buy you time um, and just be consciously aware of that I think and like I said, you know, it can be useful just to give yourself some breathing time to be able to slow down that tricky brain of ours and to be able to bring your A game. You know, if our mind is racing, if our thoughts are whirring you know, a thousand miles a minute, then we're not going to be able to think about what it is that we've got to do and what we've got to answer. So just give yourself a pause, you know, take a breath um, before answering the question. Really think about your options. Um, and it's always okay to ask for the question again, especially if you've done a big waffle uh, and you want to make sure you've covered it. 
So if you know any um, trainee psychologists at the moment or um, you or you know any qualified psychologists, um, perhaps hopefully your supervisor, they might be willing to do a mock interview with you. Um, and that can feel like a very cringeworthy exercise indeed. Um, and I did that um, with my supervisor at the time who was a forensic psychologist and I was an aspiring clinical. But it just helped me to get those crickets uh, moments and um, you know all of the tumbleweed moments where I just felt like a you know pretend human um, let alone a, a, an aspiring trainee clinical psychologist out of the way and you know just got me some of that ability to want to laugh at myself out the way because I did that in the relative safety of my supervision relationship so it can be really helpful to have um to have yeah to have that and just to have someone ask you questions in an interview setting and kind of be a bit more you know stony faced um with you um because that can be really useful um, to help you feel that pressure. And then when you get to the actual interview experience, it feels less alien. And perhaps if you haven't been in your play, your post um, that long or you feel like your relationship is not that great with your supervisor, then you might not want to admit that you're going for a new job. So that might not always feel um you know that approachable um but hopefully you might know someone who's got more experience with you than you uh, it might be a trainee or it might be um you know someone who's um already qualified but not your supervisor and they might be willing to at least have a look through your application and have a look through the job description um to come up with some example questions that might be useful for you to consider so I hope you found this really useful and uh, there should be some time between when this um, episode goes live and when um, certainly the clinical application interview season um, comes to the fore. So um, if there are any specific questions you've got, then do let me know um, through my contact details um, of which you can find in the show notes um, and the links section. Um, and I will, um, you know, really be really happy to to help shape this and yeah i thank you for listening i hope you find this useful and good luck with your interview being well supported during any interview season is so important i have therefore uh, planned some compassionate question and answer support sessions for you you are absolutely welcome to come along to all of them some of them none of them no need to book and here are the dates for you monday the 28th of february from 7 30 p.m monday the 21st of march 7 30 p.m monday the 4th of april 7 30 p.m and monday the 9th of may 7 30 p.m and they will all be live streaming via my socials uh, which includes Twitter, YouTube, LinkedIn and Facebook. So you can absolutely pick your favourite um, platform and they'll all be available on replay as well. Hope you find it so useful and I will look forward to catching up with some of you then. Take care. If you're looking to become a psychologist Then let this be your guide With this podcast at your side You'll be on your way to being Aspiring Psychologist Podcast
My name is Diakalola Amujo. I am a recent psychology graduate from Ireland. I am also an aspiring clinical psychologist. Dr. Marion's book, The Clinical Psychologist Collective, has been so helpful to me on this journey to becoming a clinical psychologist. As I plan to continue postgraduate studies in the UK, I found it extremely useful that this book provided in-depth information on the UK DeClinSci application process. I enjoyed reading about the experiences of both qualified and trainee clinical psychologists. The various narratives were my favorite part of the book, as everyone's story was different and it provided amazing insights into the clinical psychology journey. I would definitely recommend this book to anyone interested in psychology and aspires to become a clinical psychologist.